Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle. And build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's episode, how can you actually get the attention of the perfect audience for your business? It's a question we got from Rupika, who called in from India. She's got a really unique business. You'll hear more about that in just a second. And she's wondering how she can get in front of the decision makers to grow her client base. Rupika's story goes to show you can have the most interesting offering, but if you can't get in front of the right people, you're still going to struggle. So Clay and I give her our best advice for building attention both online and offline. And by the end of the show, Rupika's got a plan. We hope it helps you too, and we'll be right back after this. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance rules and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. Uh, I am Preston Lee from Milo.co and joining me on the air today is my new friend, oh, my new friend is what I meant to say, uh, Rupika from India who's calling today and Clay's going to join us in just a few minutes. He's just a little bit late to this call so, uh, so Clay will be here in just a moment. We'll introduce him quickly and get him up to speed on the conversation but Starting right now, I've got Rupika on the line with me. Hi, Rupika. How are you? Hi, Preston. I'm absolutely fine. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Before we hit record, you were saying such nice things about the show. We love to have people who have been listening for a while come and finally chat with us on the air. Yeah, well, I've been a fan of the show for the longest time. And um, I think I started calling myself a founder because you call yourself freelance to founder. And that seemed like the most tempting <laughs> thing to do. Um, and it's it's been absolutely fantastic listening to every episode. But I've been very curious to know whether every episode is really as conversational as it seems uh, or not. So here I am on the other side of the table to check out what happens <laughs> on the backstage. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I think you'll see that um, most of the episode, we we don't do a lot of editing. Uh, you know, it's just a raw conversation. We, If you want to come on the show, listeners uh, like Rupika today, we'd love to have you join us. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But um, we just love having freelancers and founders of all stages come and join us on the show. Today, Rupika, let's introduce the listeners a little bit to your business. Tell us what kind of work you do and what you're working on. Sure. So I'm Rupika. Uh, I'm from India and I've been a teacher for the longest time. Uh, I wasn't trained to be a teacher, but I just stumbled upon teaching. And that's pretty much the uh, the story of my life. So I stumbled across um, teaching. Then I stumbled across teaching origami, which is the art of paper folding. Um, mm-hmm. And then 
things happened one after the other. Um, and I realized that, you know, no matter how much I thought origami was a smaller part of my life, it became bigger and bigger and bigger. And then there was the lockdown. Uh, and gradually, uh, I think one month within the lockdown, I realized that, hey, this has this, this part of my life and this part of my work has completely exploded. And very soon it was a full time job for me. Um, I was I was completely consumed with my online origami classes for children as well as adults and young adults. Um, and, you know, now I'm at a stage where I, I I feel like asking myself, OK, let's not wait for happenstance. Let's not make, wait for origami and more work related to uh, the paper arts and paper manipulation to happen to me. Let me proactively think, OK, what do I want to do with this? So that's where I am right now. So what I go by the name Hands on Paper, uh, which was something that I coined many, many years ago as a teacher in a boarding school, uh, simply because I didn't want to see my name on the poster of a Saturday club. So Hands on Paper was born as a Saturday weekend activity club for uh, children of a boarding school in India. And um, the name has stuck. I just, I, I think I impulsively just wrote the name there and that's where it stuck. So Gradually, I got myself a website and a logo, and um, I have some some merchandise that goes with the name Hands on Paper, and I'd like it to stay like that. I love that. I mean, I think it's safe to say we have never had a guest on before who does their freelance work or their business in the field of origami. How how cool, like very, very unique stuff. And um, I, I just am seeing now on screen that Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com has joined us. Clay, how you doing, man? Good, good, man. Sorry. Sorry I'm late, you're good. <laughs> but I'm you know, glad I'm here. Totally my bad, but I'm glad you're able to come. <laughs> and we're on the line with Rupika, just introduced herself, and uh, she's she's doing some freelance work and, and, and really being proactive about her business in the origami space, which I think is mm, super mm-hmm. cool. She's calling us from India. Um, Rupika, tell us a little bit about like the actual business side. So we know you do origami stuff, but tell us about like like who are your clients currently or maybe your ideal clients? Do you have revenue in the door already or are you just in the beginning phases? What what does your business actually look like? So I've been teaching origami for the last um, seven years for sure and for the last uh, three years full time. Uh, what I do right now is that all my classes are either online or offline. My clients or my uh, my end uh, you know, users are middle school students largely. So they, I conduct an hour-long class twice a week for every child, and these are group group classes that happen. And um, this is this is largely for, like I said, middle school students. But I also take one-off classes or short-term uh, workshops for colleges, for adults, etc. Um, okay. So yes. So do the so do the schools is, hire you and pay you or? No, no. I think uh, I think what COVID or the lockdown did was they just eliminated the intermediary of schools, and mm. uh, I uh, I deal directly with the parents. So um, so yeah. Oh, so these are these are direct uh, subscriptions from parents and children. Okay, so the parents hire you as a freelancer, as your own as your own business owner. You're not employed by the schools or paid by the schools. No, no, no. Okay, yeah. Awesome. Well, it sounds like uh, a great, it sounds like you've been doing it for a while. You've got a great business on your hands. Um, do you feel like it's where you want it to be or, um, or do you feel like you have a lot of room to grow and advance and, 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 you know, grow the business itself? 
Uh, so at the stage that, that I am, it seems like I've just been brought here. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to sound too spiritual, but it seems like cosmos conspired and I'm here. And it became bigger than I than I thought you know, that I would handle. And what's happened gradually is that I've also discovered a deeper um, intersection of origami with maths, origami with physics, origami with architecture, mm. and now origami with wellness. Um, so now what I've, what I've happened to uh, come across is that there's a large body of work that's, that's happened uh, across different countries and different uh, academia where origami has been merged with geometry. So what I have right now is a course uh, which runs across a year for middle school, which matches the geometry and physics curriculum uh, with origami or paper manipulation exercises. So I see there's a larger uh, that there's a larger scope for growing this and for reaching out to schools or even to colleges. So when, for example, very recently I worked with a fashion uh, technology college, uh, I realized that they have a course called paper engineering and uh, it was something that just came my way. And when I studied it further, I realized, oh my God, that's just so much of an overlap that I started, you know, I end up digging deeper into these intersections like a beaver. Uh, and then I get my high as a student of the subject. And then I just <laughs> yeah. deliver because of my love for, you know, just watching that eureka moment for all my students in front of me. So I see, I love that. I I, I see that there is a deeper um, deeper possibility of taking this to a wider audience right now. Uh, but that's exactly why I'm here. How and okay. when, etc. So we'll get into that soon. Well, great. Let's yeah, let's let's jump into that. Um, listeners of the show will will be familiar with this, but we have every time someone joins us on the show, like Rupika, um, you fill out a, a questionnaire. Uh, it's like maybe four or five questions about your business and and about where you're headed with it. And one of those questions is on a scale of one to ten. One being a freelancer, ten being a founder. Where would you rate yourself? And Rupika, you rated yourself currently at a one. But you said that in six or 12 months, you would like to be more at a four. So right. um, we'd, we'd love to hear what, what a four maybe looks like for you. And before you answer that question, Rupi Guide, I do want to quickly remind listeners that if you want to jump on a call like this, uh, we'd love to coach you through whatever hurdles you're facing in your business. Our goal is to help you get from freelancer to founder, right? From trading time for money to actually building a business that pays you um, without you having to be in it every hour of every day. And so we'd love to coach you on whatever your current hurdle is that you're facing. We've coached dozens and dozens of freelancers and founders at this point, and we would love to chat with you. You just visit freelance2founder.com, and then you can um, scroll to the bottom of the page, fill out a quick questionnaire, find a time on our calendar, and you'll be here just like Rupika is, and we'll be chatting about your business and the hurdles that you're facing. Rupika, why don't you tell us what a four looks like uh, six or 12 months from now in your business? Yeah, I also first want to add that this was my favorite part of the questionnaire uh, because it's the first time that I asked myself, okay, what is a level one? What is a level two? What is a level three, et cetera, et cetera, till 10? And that's mm, when I asked mm -hmm. myself, okay, where can I reach in six months from now? That's when I came to level four. So as of now, I have um, zero employees. I work by myself. I am a freelancer. And, um, you know, there's a flood and famine uh, lifestyle so far. Holidays mean uh, a no-income day. Um, a level mm. four would mean that I have a, perhaps a small team of full-time employees, perhaps teachers who can uh, fill into my role as a live teacher, as an on-call teacher. Uh, I also want to have 
probably a, a couple of people who are handling sales and marketing and reaching out uh, to a larger audience. Um, and I would want to have, uh, you know, perhaps a couple of collaborations with institutions, because I think for a long lasting program, it would be great to have um, mm-hmm. an institutional collaboration also. Yeah, if you had those, if you had a few institutions or schools or companies or just anything that, you know, every month or every six months or every quarter or whatever, you came in and, and just taught a class or someone that worked for you taught a class, that would be a great way to build this to where it's way less feast famine and way more predictable. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, maybe some of the hurdles that you're facing. So I know in your questionnaire, um, you mentioned that one of the hurdles you're currently facing is um, is finding new audiences or new clients that you could potentially engage with. And then I think what maybe goes hand in hand with that is like you mentioned having lack of a vision or a goal for your for your business. I think both of these are like, issues with the future of your business saying, how am I going to reach current and new audiences? And and what's my vision of reaching these people and working with these people? So I guess what, what would you, what would be a good question for us to start with? What's maybe the biggest question on your mind today, Rupika? Um, if I can just uh, weave a lot of these things together, I think I'm in a very niche area. So my biggest uh, challenge right now is how do I make origami or paper craft aspirational? And more importantly, how do I put across the academic and emotional benefits of this art to the outside world? So, uh, you know, if I was selling something that's already been sold, uh, it's easier to convince a potential client or, you know, an institution or an individual. Right. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, because it's origami, it's rather unknown. In fact, in my country, there are very few people who even understand what it is. Um, but I see the academic and emotional benefit of this art form. And I, I I have, you know, enough number of children and adults who've been with me for almost about five years meeting every weekend. Uh, so there's obviously something to it. But how do I put this across so mm. that it's a, it's a clincher? Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. 
Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Mm-hmm. And who do I put this, I think this is a, Yeah. Yeah, this is a classic marketing question. So I'm going to tap Clay's brain here as well. But this is like a classic, like, how, how do I convince people that they need this thing that they don't know that they need yet? Do you have any thoughts mm-hmm. on that, Clay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I I think this is awesome what you're doing um, with someone. <clears throat> I'm sure Preston can relate to someone with kids. Um, like mm-hmm. I have a daughter, and she, my daughter's just now starting to figure out how to use her hands and trying to figure that she's only ten months old. Um, so like I I like what you're I love what you're doing here because it's it's I think there's a learning aspect to it also uh, for for children. So like. Uh, I got to give kudos to you. Like, so that's amazing. Um, Thank you. With that said, I, I think the, the way I would approach this is I would, because f- the w- way you're saying this is you want to try to figure out how to get this into schools and like more for academic purposes, right? Um, I would approach it with trying to hit the masses of all the parents. And Here's here's the really really good news is that I I, I origami origami's been around forever but like I personally don't see anyone on social media doing it so like I think if you like with what you want to do or with what you're doing you could hit the masses all over the world I, and I would hit I would target basically every parent out there who has kids right like and 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 I would do TikToks, I would do Instagram Reels, I would do those those two platforms all day long. Um, and I think if you hit the masses that way, you can you will definitely be able to sell this online. Um, and you'll you mentioned you have an online course, like you'll be able to do an online course. Um, and and then as a secondary kind of revenue stream, I think that you will gain enough attention and enough brand awareness if you hit the masses um, where if you have on your website specifically for like academia, like, like classes, things like that. I think by default with your brand awareness, teachers and educators will see that you do this for specifically for that, um, that realm or that, that industry um, and then, so by default, I think you'll get business that way, just, mm. just from brand recognition. And so, and then you charge, you charge extra for that, right? You charge to, to go in person, do these classes in person. You can even do classes virtually online, um, but you, you can charge for that. So like, I, I see this as like a two tier or two level kind of system. Level one is um, you sell just an online course on how to do origami um, and then the second tier is, hey, I will do, I will 
I will personally teach you how to do origami live, right? Whether that's virtual over Zoom or in person, you know, where you are. And you charge a fee for that. And so that that's kind of what I, I feel like you could do. And I think this would actually pick up pretty well on TikTok and yeah, uh, Instagram Reels if you do it a lot and very, and very, very consistently. I would do probably two, three, four TikToks a day. Like that's what I would do. Um, and here's the really cool thing about TikTok. Like used to three, four, five years ago, you had to have a social following to get any kind of attention, like with Facebook or Instagram before Instagram had reels. These days, you could put a TikTok out there, you can have 100 followers, and I don't know how many followers you have, but you can have 100 followers or no followers, and a video will go super viral. It's crazy. Um, so that's why I'm like, do two, three, four TikToks a day. Something will go viral eventually. It's just a matter of time. That's what I would do. Can I can I add to that strategy? I I think uh, this is spot on. If if this is your style of marketing, like if if you feel like you've got what it takes to hop on TikTok or Instagram or even YouTube Shorts, like I'm I just looked up her name because I couldn't remember her name. But um, I I so I'm not like a baker or anything. I have nothing to do with baking. But I follow this um, cake maker. She's actually from Austin. I just realized as I was looking her up. But um, her oh name, yeah, is it is it uh, what's the name of the cake shop? Um, I know what you're talking about. Side surf. Her name is, her name is Natalie side surf. Is that who you're thinking of? Mm, mm, No, no. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's a, there's a a popular cake shop here who has like thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of them, but so this lady, her, I would look her up on Instagram or, um, I follow her on YouTube. Her YouTube shorts are great. Her name is Natalie side surf. And, um, she makes hyper-realistic cakes. But the thing is, she shows like these timelines of her making the cake in one minute, right? Because that's what a YouTube short or a TikTok or whatever can be. And and instead of like showing the whole process, she just sort of cuts to interesting points in the process. You could do the same thing with origami. And what I love that she does too is while she's showing that, she like talks about whatever she wants to talk about. So like I think for you, in terms of like the you you talked about the health benefits or the educational benefits, like you could actually talk about those things while you're doing origami. So you sort of draw people in with this cool, unique art form, but then you really drive home your message about like hire me to to do you know um, to do like wellness retreats or whatever. Like there's so many places you could do this but you could talk about that as you're as you're doing the origami so then people come to watch but then they also learn more about your services um i would definitely check out her work and i'm looking i I sort of got sucked in while clay was talking too to the hashtag origami on um instagram and like holy cow there's there's some fun stuff there so that's a cool community you could tap into so i agree with clay i think that's a great strategy to pursue in in terms of like the basic marketing, the foundational marketing for this kind of service, I think it's important that you identify a pain point, right? Because um, you might not think that doing origami solves a pain point, and it's very hard to sell something that doesn't address a pain that a customer is feeling, right? And so it might be worthwhile to sit down with yourself and and make a list of potential pain points that origami solves. Maybe it's like if I have a child with ADHD, maybe origami yes. helps calm them down. Or maybe if I have a really stressful job, maybe having uh, learning origami on a team retreat and then having origami paper around the office helps me take a five-minute break to just like cool down, 
and get back to work and be productive. Or team Whatever. building. Huh? Team building, right? Like yeah. a, a company has a team building uh, exercise, right? This could be a thing. Yeah. Or maybe maybe physical therapy. Maybe if someone's learning how to use their hands again, they come and they fold origami. Like there's there's probably so many applications, but I think it's important that you identify pain points. This is sort of the vitamins versus painkillers, right? Vitamins sell, but they don't sell nearly as well as painkillers because there's a pain that needs to be addressed as opposed to like origami might be really good for you, but but if you don't feel the pain first, then you're not willing to hand over the credit card to to solve that problem. And so I think it's that's a foundational sort of marketing concept that you need to take a look at in your own business and apply it to origami specifically. What do you, what do you think so far of a couple of those ideas, Rupika? I think that's very, very precise advice. In fact, if I had a scribble pad over here, I would have probably just filled in a couple of pages. So thanks so much. Um, one of the things that I keep hearing is that, you know, get on to Instagram and uh, you know, sort of that's the space to make yourself visible. I do realize that as a freelancer, you need to keep showing up. But uh, to be honest, you know, I think the ideas that you've sort of uh, given forth right now are more precise than just saying, you know, get on to social media. Um, so that's something I'd yeah. probably, you know, give thought to right away. Uh, you're right about identifying pain points. In fact, um, I did realize that, you know, one of the first questions that a potential parent or even a potential client as an adult would ask uh, is why should I do origami when I can paint, when I can dance, when I can go for a walk, et cetera, mm. et cetera. Right. So I, I understand that. Um, and I suppose there's a ready answer depending on who that person is, right. If it's an adult, it's obviously more to do with more of, you know, mental health or wellness or just taking some time off doing something tactile with your hands um, and, you know, the, the dopamine hit that you get to actually create something with your hands in the, in the shortest span of time. Uh, for children, of course, it's a little more academic, but that's where I think um, it's it's more of, of a communication with the parents or with the institutions um, rather than the child. I think that children just do origami because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't have to hard sell it to them. My question now I agree. is... In, in fact, the, the child here is not your client, right? The, yeah. It's yeah. interesting because you're you're in a rare business where you actually work most closely with someone who's actually not your client. And so That's you, right. you have to find and target parents, institution leaders, educators, um, company leaders, all of these things. and then But then you end up working with children or that company's employees or that school's, you know, students, like... It's really, really interesting to, to look at your marketing from that perspective. Correct, correct. In fact, I keep telling myself that, you know, there is a freelancer hat and there is a teacher hat. Uh, so when I'm actually performing in the class, it's the teacher hat. And that's a very different persona to the freelancer hat when I'm, mm, when I'm mm-hmm. you know, chatting with parents or, um, you know, institutional heads, etc. Uh, so I get that. I think my question um, after, after what I hear from you is, um, do parents really go on to Instagram and choose a class for their child? Um, I know probably adults do, but how do I reach the right parents who are looking for, um, you know, really a word of mouth marketing? So, so far, mm-hmm. for example, all the children that I've got, all these students that I've had, it's just been a very slow, organic word of mouth, you know, great feedback from parents that existed. Um, yeah. And it's been one after the other. It's been somewhat of a snowball effect during the lockdown. 
what i'm facing right now is that suddenly a lot of uh, a lot of other activities have opened up and schools have opened up slicing the time that a child has uh into mm-hmm. little little bits right so where i had you know say um almost about four classes in a week with a child um you know the children were saying oh but i have but i have dance and i have sports and i have this and that and i understand from the parents perspective i mean how many classes do they sign up for after all mm-hmm. uh, so two questions mm-hmm. here one uh, i suddenly have many other uh, competing alternatives um for filling up a child's day um so how do i how do i challenge that or how do i deal with that um and secondly how do i reach the parents who are really looking for uh, a word of mouth Uh, you know good word um i'm not sure if parents uh, especially um, you know amongst the circle of parents that i have i have about i think about 100 parents right now and i'm not sure how many of them even know that i exist on instagram most of them mm, have just yeah. known whatsapp that's all you know one one viral feedback leading to another etc etc yeah so, i think oh go ahead clay oh go ahead i have some thoughts but yeah go ahead well i i think Uh, there's uh, i mean there's always going to be competing even if you don't have another origami person you're competing against competition comes in lots of different forms right and so you're right there's going to be all these competing things that the parents want their kids to do and so i think you have to identify what's this is called jobs to be done marketing and it's like what job is that activity doing why do parents sign their kids up for dance or for football or for whatever right and and you have to maybe even talk to some parents um that you'd feel comfortable talking to and say like what you know what's the purpose of this is it that they be more active because they're happier when they're more active is it that they get out of the house for a couple hours a day is it that they make friends is it you know what what is the real reason that they participate in these and then those become your talking points for some of your marketing to say like you know if they come to this after school origami thing they're going to make friends they're going to feel more calm uh they're going to get out of the house for a couple hours like whatever the benefits are you you try to sort of align that with the reasons that that people sign up for these activities in the first place so i think i think that's one way to look at your your marketing framework and your messaging really um to to try to nail that down that'll help your copywriting that'll help your messaging your branding but then i think it's also important to understand with social media you say like well i'm not really sure parents are on social media i'm not really sure how to use that as a word of mouth marketing tool i think it's important to understand that social media i think i think the reason so many small business owners fail at social media or or have been disillusioned or or disappointed in their social media efforts is because they want to get on social media and immediately make a sale right and i get that i totally get that um in fact we don't spend a ton of time on social media in my business just because um just because we've experimented with it and and other things have been more successful so we choose to spend our time in other places but but i think what you have to understand about social media is it's very 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 top of the funnel like social media is all about awareness it's all about getting your name and your brand out there and for and a thousand people might hear about you and one of them might eventually hire you you know what i mean and so it's really a numbers game 
you can't uh, you can't expect that like everyone who follows you becomes your customer. So you you produce content, you produce content, you produce content, and eventually you become known for this thing like this cake maker that I was talking about, right? She becomes known for making these hyper realistic cakes that are really unique. And I've watched probably a hundred of her videos, and I've never even contemplated hiring her, right? But someone else in the group of a thousand people who watch her videos has watched and thought, oh, I'm gonna hire her for my next birthday cake. Um, because so-and-so would love a birthday cake that looks like a whatever, a taco, right? So so I think it's just important to understand that like social media, like a lot of marketing, is a numbers game. And it's really about awareness, very, very top of the funnel, big numbers, and then finding a way to turn that into, um, you know, a certain percentage of those people will be more interested in the stuff that you're doing in terms of your business, and they'll want to hire you eventually. But it's going to be smaller and smaller. That's why they call it a funnel, obviously. So Clay, what do you have to add? Mm, yeah. I mean, that's pretty spot on what I was going to say about the uh, about word of mouth. So I have a question. So people are finding you word of mouth right now. How are they? How are they finding? How are they? How's that word of mouth reaching? How is it reaching them? Um, I think it's largely school groups and parent groups. Uh, and these are largely WhatsApp groups. So one parent who's had a great experience talks to, you know, so many others um, in their WhatsApp, in their school groups or family groups, etc. So typically I get a call saying, you know, so-and-so is a friend or so-and-so is a family and their child has been doing origami for you for, with so long, for so long uh, that mm-hmm. I'd like my child to subscribe to also. Can we get started? And then that's it. They, they just carry on for at least a year and a half or two. Um, okay. And it's, is it all local to you? Well, it's uh, during lockdown. No, it's not been local at all. Uh, it's not just within my city. It's been all across the the country. But la- okay, the okay. large chunk, yes, is from my city, but certainly not from the eight kilometer radius. Okay. And do you get any any business outside of your country? Few, just a handful. But um, yeah, a few. But those are largely okay. adults, not really children. Still. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, Preston's Preston's right. Like social media is it's it's all about brand awareness. I mean, think about think like think about how word of mouth works, right? It's like someone came across your content. In this case, it's they either took a class from you or or something like that, right? Um and then the, and then they had a good experience and then they tell their friend <clears throat> or their friends. Um, so social media works the same way. Like I, I watch like, so Preston watches this cake lady. Um, I also watch (laughs) some cake videos. Okay. Um, so I did not order a cake from this particular cake shop in Austin for like two years, a year, year and a half, something like that. Uh, from the first time I started following this cake shop on Instagram. So there's going to be a period of time where people follow you. They consume your content like crazy, sometimes daily, and then they will eventually buy from you. And that, that's just how social media works. It's it's really any media. Like you think about the podcast, mm-hmm. Rupika, you've listened to the podcast for quite a while. Big fan, really liked the content. And But how long did it take you before you decided you were going to join on a call, right? It's very similar. We're obviously not charging you for the call, but like it, it's another step 
if if we had some sort of funnel, which we don't, <laughs> by the way, but if we had some sort of funnel where like next we get you to a class or something, like this was the next step to take from mm-hmm. what you've heard from our media so far. Yeah. So like the what social media, the way you need to look at it is it's it's taking you and amplifying it exponentially. Right. A lot of people don't view it like this. A lot of people view social media as like this thing they got to do and they hate doing it. Like it's just like chore, but it's not. It's like, think about you going in person to this class or, or Zoom, right? You're teaching origami to a class. Um, let's just say there's like 30 parents there. You taught a class let's, in this hypothetical example. Maybe you taught a class for like an hour or two to 30 parents, that's an, that's a couple of hours that you had to spend to, own, to, to show what you do to only like 30 parents. But if you take that, if you take that and you actually put that on video and you put it on Instagram Reels or TikTok, or I should say and TikTok and YouTube Shorts, um, that's like, that's like, taking your the amount of time it took you to do that and putting it in front of thousands thousands right so like in a class of like 30 people not all of them are going to go tell their friends maybe like one or two will that's the same thing with social media like they're just gonna they're gonna thousands of people are gonna view this and if you keep doing this is why i told you at the beginning of this call i said i think you should do two three four of these a day daily because it's just going to amplify your how many how many eyeballs see this content per day and one of those eventually one of those and it could happen sooner than you think is going to go super viral my wife did a uh, an instagram reel yesterday or 2 days ago she only has like a i think a thousand followers or maybe 2000 i can't remember she did an Instagram reel, and I'm just going to look it up because I am very curious. Um, she did a reel, and the last time I checked, it had 20 or 18,000 uh, views, I think. Um, I'm, I'm looking it up as I, as I talk. But, <laughs> but my point is, is that she only has... So she has 1,900 followers, and she did this reel... And it has uh, 20,300 views on one reel. Wow. In two days, right? In wow. two days. Two days. Yeah. All, cool. it's not even all done. 100% organic. She did not put any money behind this. So, and this, this is just one reel. So imagine if you do three or four of these a day. This is how people become TikTok famous. I swear to you, this is how. And, yeah, and even if you even if you don't want to be TikTok famous, like even if like let's say you're you don't amass millions of followers, you don't even get millions of views. If twenty thousand people a day are watching four times four or five reels, right? Of course, there's going to be some duplicates in there. You're talking to maybe thirty to fifty thousand people a day or whatever. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like the numbers start to really, really add up. And of course, they won't all be hits, but you'll get better at it, and the algorithm will get to know your content more, and um, and it it can really pay off. And I, I think in terms of execution, like it can feel really overwhelming to say, "Oh, just produce four TikToks a day <laughs> or whatever," right? But um, but I think. 
it's important to keep in mind, like you're already doing stuff that can be content. So while you're teaching a class, like let's say you're teaching a class on origami, put, get a tripod, put the camera straight over your hands and record yourself making origami and then hire an editor on Fiverr. Or if you're familiar with video editing yourself, do it yourself and cut it into a 60 second TikTok of you going through this whole process. I guarantee you people if you start like folding paper on a TikTok, people are going to want to know what it turns out being. And they're going to watch the whole 60 seconds or however long you make yep. it. So like, I think, I think your art form really lends itself to this kind of marketing. And I think what you're already doing, you can easily just attach a couple processes and small investments like a camera or an editor. And you can easily be cranking out four or five pieces of content per day for a, for a platform like reels or, mm-hmm. or TikTok. Can I, can I address the, uh, how to target, uh, parents with teachers. Well, actually, let's get some feedback because we've been talking for a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'm I'm quite grateful for the ideas. Um, and uh, Preston, thank you for accepting that it can get really, really overwhelming to, uh, you know, make three or four hmm, TikToks yeah. or reels. I mean, when you first said it, I said, "Oh my God, that's 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 going to be my full time." <laughs> obsession now uh if if i want instagram reach rather than worrying about what to teach in the class so i think at some point in time i have wondered um can i bypass social media <laughs> um can i can i just focus on my class can i just focus on um i think in one of the episodes you mentioned you know can you can you focus on being five mile famous right uh, so within your neighborhood is it possible for as many people um, as you can mm-hmm. reach out to for them to know what you do rather than on social media um, I do get what you're saying I understand that you know you reach out to so many more and you're basically just spraying your idea and then uh, then then letting it you know those seeds just germinate whenever they have to mm-hmm. I understand but it's really overwhelming and um, it, it- Go on, go on. Sorry, let me just let me just let me just say something really quick about that because I I think that is a fair criticism to our advice. We give a lot of advice uh, around social media, and I think it is fair if you if your business is primarily local. If you don't want clients from around the world, then sometimes yeah, having having views from around the world doesn't really matter. Um, and so there can be a lot of wasted effort and wasted reach there. I, I think, though, this, these same principles can be applied if you want to do more local marketing. Like, for example, you could, you know, you could call up – now, admittedly, I'm not as familiar with how things work in India, so things might be different. But, like, for example, if I were in my community and trying to do this, I might call up the public library and offer to do a free origami class for kids. And, and hmm. people swarm to those kinds of things because moms want to get out of the house with their kids during the day. And so they'll come to the library and do a free origami class. And maybe you do that four times a year in, in 10 different libraries. And all of a sudden, the effort that you might have been putting into TikTok or Reels you're now putting into classes, which by the way, you could do both. You could use those classes to generate content for social media, right? But let's just say you want to go super local on your marketing strategy. You could do those free classes and then a certain percentage of the kids who take those classes or friends of those kids, um, because their parents will talk about it, they will end up hiring you to do it. You know, in the class, you talk about the benefits of mental wellness and, um, you know, whatever the benefits are that, that really attract parents. And, and you use it as sort of a free, it's like a freemium model, right? They get one free class and you say, I'd love to work with your child, you know, more closely. We do these groups or whatever. I think if that's, if your business model is like in-person classes, 
or local classes, I think that's actually probably a smarter way to go. If your business model is online courses that anyone in the world can take, then I think the social media stuff we've been talking about is a better strategy. So it just really depends on, and if you want to do both at the same time, I would say that's even better, right? So I think it just kind of depends on what you want to sell and what you want your product to be. Um, So I think I'd like to do both um, simply because I don't know where, uh, you know, I'd find my potential clients. Um, So I don't want to hesitate to say that it's only online or it's only offline. So Mm -hmm. I get your point. Mm -hmm. Um, But my my specific question um, leading from what both of you have said is this. If I, uh, I understand what I need, need to probably look at Instagram for. But if I say that my, my parent parent community is largely on WhatsApp. How do I use that for marketing in a very precise way for spreading the word on the work that I do? How do I use WhatsApp for marketing? Or is, is that something that I, I cannot work through? What are your is, ideas? Is WhatsApp, is WhatsApp, uh, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I know what WhatsApp is, but I don't think here in the US we use it as a... Is yeah. a community tool, but I'm assuming it's a it's just a messaging tool, right? Yeah, it is a messaging tool where you have groups. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. So, so I've used it, I've used it a little bit for um for school stuff, but like, yeah, yeah. In fairness, Clay and I have not used it really extensively, and certainly not for marketing purposes. It's not as as widely used in the U.S. for some reason. So, but anyway, go ahead, Clay. Yeah, um, I would use it as a community tool. So I would use it as like a. I wouldn't use it as a uh, your first uh, hurdle of marketing, like your first layer. Um, I would use I would use it as your second layer. So what I mean by mm-hmm. that is is like if you're doing TikTok, you're doing Reels, you're having these free events like locally or whatever. Once you do this kind of like the first level of marketing, just like just getting people to know who you are, whether that's TikTok Reels or events, then you invite these people to join your WhatsApp group. And then this is where you start to build a community around origami. And you are the group host. I don't know what the technical thing is with WhatsApp, but you're the you're the person who's in charge of this group. So now you are looked at as an authority because you're in charge of this group, but also you have a whole bunch of people in this one community, in this group, who are interested in origami and you build that slowly over time and eventually you're going to have a big enough group where that right there is that group is where you nurture your Mm -hmm. your business from Mm -hmm. that's the way i would do it yeah it's it's all about community so hmm. whatsapp clay and i clay and i have done like some messenger marketing or some text text message marketing and i feel like that's really similar to whatsapp marketing and and i feel like like imagine, okay, so let's take some of these examples, the Instagram stuff or the TikTok stuff or the in-person classes. What if the call to action to those instead of hire me, which it certainly could be, the, the point of marketing, right, is to test it all and see what works. But what if the call to action, maybe no one hires you directly from those interactions because it's still too top of the funnel. So what if the call to action, like Clay is saying, is sign up for my WhatsApp and I will send you a weekly origami tutorial video that you can do with your kids, Right. And so now there's some value you're adding on a weekly basis. Um, by the way, this could also be more TikTok and Instagram content. So you're producing it already for your WhatsApp group. It can also move over to TikTok and to WhatsApp or sorry, to Instagram and to YouTube shorts and whatever. Um, and and so that's the next step in the funnel. But you're adding adding value on a weekly basis. Now, I know WhatsApp is 
less visual. It's just sort of more like a text messenger primarily. And so I think something like that where where it's like a, a little reminder or a little mini newsletter. Clay does this uh, yeah. with Dripify where he sends two texts a week. I'm on it. Um, well, it's similar it, to like Voxer or Telegram, right? Mm, we use yeah. those here. Yeah, 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 that's yeah right. for sure. So, that's right. So I think getting people to join that, yeah, and then you you nurture those relationships, like Clay's saying, over time, and eventually those people, you could continue to work them down the funnel, or you could pitch right there. But you know, you might move them over to an email newsletter list. You might have them, you know, share an Instagram reel or something. I, I actually don't know much about reels, so I shouldn't talk about reels. But um, I just think there's lots of potential, yeah, for building that community. What I'm trying to say, really long winded, is that I agree with Clay. Got it. Yeah. So- you should just say that. I should have just said that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Again, a very um, sort of pointed question. Um, If feedback for my classes is such an important um, make or break uh, thing, how do I capitalize on that? You know, what one parent feels or what one child feels about a class or about a program. uh, How do I, how do I make that, um, you know, louder than what I'm saying about origami. You, am I making it very clear or am I going round and round? Um, like, an like, are you saying you're looking for testimonials or am I misunderstanding? Yeah. So if testimonials are something that I would want to uh, amplify uh, for my work, mm. Um, mm-hmm. is, is, that, is, is that just a, um, I mean, is that the right way to approach uh, customer feedback, so to say? Uh, or should I focus on, okay, this is what I'm folding right now. This is what is there in the class. So I keep thinking, for I think, example, I think, yeah, oh, go, sorry, on. Go, ahead. go on, go on, go on. I think you can do both. I think you can do both at the same time. I think you can, can focus on, on the class, but so if you remember before we hit record, you had some very nice things to say about the podcast, right? And, hmm. and, um, I was grateful. We talked about it. Uh, you, you just couldn't say enough nice things. And, and I wish Clay were here to hear it because you really just were so nice and I didn't get it recorded. But I did say, that's so nice. Thank you so much for the kind words. Would you be willing to leave a review on iTunes or on uh, Spotify or wherever you listen? And you said, absolutely. So now I'm going to get that testimonial from you. And if I wanted to, I could also use that testimonial in our marketing, right? So instead of saying, we'd love to have you join us on a call on the podcast, I could say, here's a success story from Rupika. She, she listened to the show. This is what she said about it. She did what we uh, invited her to do on the podcast and she saw 10x growth in her client acquisition or whatever, right? And so you can share success stories of your students. You might say, you know, so-and-so used to be so anxious and antsy at school and then he started taking my origami class and now when he gets anxious he pulls out a piece of origami and and uh and it calms him down or whatever i'm I'm completely making this up but but um you can use those success stories as ways to say this is actually working and this is a testimonial so it can be direct words from your customers or it can be stories success stories that you've heard as feedback from your customers and all of those can be shared on your website on your social media during your classes all of those things does that kind of answer the question i think so yeah absolutely i think those are great ideas um i think all this while i've been uh, sort of a little um, you know, on the back foot of using uh, feedback and testimonials that I read on WhatsApp and I hear on phone calls from parents. Uh, but I've often wondered, but, you know, if, if I'm hearing this and I want more people to hear this, I just need to amplify this. So I think the, uh, the couple of ideas you said 
uh, are on my are going on my to do list right away. Apart from the Spotify feedback, also right away, for sure. Awesome. Well, I think we're coming up on the on the end of the call here, Rupika. Are there any last minute questions you were hoping we could cover today that we haven't yet? Two specific um, two specific questions. So one is. Um, when I look at, you know, my work, it's, it's really live classes, right? At some point, I would want to have, um, you know, take a passive stance. So at some point, I would like to, you know, have passive income from the work that I do or the body of work that I've built. How, um, how do I do that? At this stage in time, how do I do that? What are your thoughts on that? Courses, mm-hmm. courses, yep. mm-hmm. video courses. Video yeah, courses. Just, record, just record, record the courses mm-hmm. you're already doing. Just record them and make mm-hmm. them available online. And then you promote them on social media with the first strategy that we talked about today. Mm-hmm. This okay. is this is the way like this is the way I I always tell people like you need to have you need to have some passive, you need to have some active, right? Mm-hmm. So every everyone you start out with active. That's just the way every business starts out with. Um and what I mean by active is like you you're actually there. It takes your actual personal time to do it, right? So in your case, teaching a class on origami. That's mm. active. It, it, in order for you to get paid, you have to actively do a class. Now that's the way it starts out. Then eventually, like after that, you do passive. So once you get good at your craft, once like and you're already good at it, you're already good at it because you've been doing this for a few years. Now you go and you put a curriculum together. There's so many different classes that you can... I don't even know anything about origami, and I know there's so many different classes you can do with uh, so many different courses you can do. Um, you can have a basics course. You can have a me- uh, uh, intermediate, advanced. You can you have... You do it for certain niches, right? Courses for students, niches, courses yeah. for adults, courses for people with ADHD, courses for... like. Yeah, there's so a much. Course, a course for team building for a company, mm-hmm. a course for mm-hmm. date night. You know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah. uh, you want to have a fun date night idea? Like, let's do some more. You know, you know like that. I, I, there's just so many different courses you can do. Um, so, yeah, just get a camera out, start recording your con or put a, put a curriculum together, record your content. And then this is where this is where I would have to say. You, yeah, you have to do Instagram reels and TikToks and YouTube shorts. And like that's going to be the way to create passive income with that. So because it's not once it's recorded, you don't have to actively do it. Like it doesn't matter if one person buys it or a million people buy it. It doesn't take up any more of your time either way. Right. Yeah. Got it. Um, yeah, I think that will also probably mean that I need to, um, you know, I'm running these courses anyway. And I think what I like about what you're saying is that, you know, just make them passive. I don't have to be live right mm-hmm. there. I mean, that's probably just a, a, a more active version of what I offer. Uh, one last question that's been on my mind all of the last two months. Um, how do I approach an institutional collaboration. One, of course, is that I write to, uh, you know, the heads of institutions. But we all know how mails go down, you know, the, the massive filters that there are from, you know, say, mm-hmm. office at so-and-so, right? Um, it's, been, it's, it's been quite hard to reach out to institutional heads. Uh, what else can I do apart from mailing, apart from dropping a physical copy of a proposal, uh, apart from you know chasing people very subtly on LinkedIn, 
<laughs> what else? What, what am I missing? What else <laughs> could I possibly do? I mean, I'm I'm happy to stand outside that door as they get into their car every morning. <laughs> but, Don't <yeah>. do that. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, what else could I could I do to make myself um, available and uh, you know sort of seem right there for an institutional collaboration? Hmm. I, I think, think there's a couple I think for ways. me it's like how how can you add value early on right instead mm-hmm. of instead of offer, saying to a company I'd like to I'd like you to hire me to do a team retreat where we fold origami maybe you say I'd love to come in and do a half hour like we had a we had a lady do this at a place I worked years ago where she came in and did a sound bath uh like with, with the bowls and all of that I don't know much about it um but she came in and did a, she did a free sound bath, you know, on a lunch break for anyone who wanted to come in and, and do that. And, um, and then obviously like anyone who really enjoyed it, she had a, a business card there and whatever, and they could hire her. So I think, I think adding value up front instead of just going in directly for the sale is like sort of a classic marketing tactic, um, making sure that you're truly adding value, not just pretending to add value. So I think you'll mm-hmm. have to explore ways you can do that for, for maybe, companies or gatekeepers or or people like that yeah i think that's spot on i think if you make it all about what you can do for not not for them but the people that they serve right um Mm -hmm. i think that's going to be key just what what preston said but here's here's a couple other ways one is you like just kind of encompassing just uh this whole idea is you just need to get on their radar somehow, right? Not, not stalking them or something like that. Right. But you need to get on their radar first. So what I, there, there's a couple ways to do this. One is go follow them on social media, find out who's in charge and just follow, follow them on social media, like on all the platforms and then start engaging with their content consistently. Right. Night. Don't be salesy or anything like that. Don't, don't start, making comments on their posts and be like, Hey, uh, do you want to do an origami class? Like, don't do that. Just start making genuine comments about whatever it is that they, they, um, they posted. If they went to Disney, Disneyland recently say, Oh wow, that looks so much fun. Blah, blah, blah. Like, so just start, start following them and then engaging with them consistently. So what that does is, it makes them familiar with your name and potentially your face if they actually click on your profile. Um, so that gets you a little bit on the radar. The other way is to, uh, and you may have to pay to play, is to figure out where they hang out in person. Um, so if, if you know that they are going to a certain event locally, then I would try to figure out how to be at that event. And and try to figure out how to shake hands with them, right? Or even to go so that, far as to like get a booth or something at events that that mm-hmm. these kind of people frequent, right? Yep, yep. So that I think that's the way to do it. Getting getting these relationships like this because like that's getting on their radar is is already tough. Um, once you get on their radar and once they know who you are, that's like step one. The second step is even more difficult. That's gaining an actual partnership. So that's where it's like, hey, um, I now know who you are, Mr. or Mrs. Head of Institute, right? Um, 
Now let's see if we can actually join a do a, like a little partnership where I do this for your for your school or whatever. Um, that's even harder. So this takes time. They got to get to know you. They got to trust you. Um, and you got to do a whole bunch of little things like that in order for them to actually even consider uh, uh, creating a partnership with you. So that it takes a long time. Sometimes it takes years to do that. But once you get it, it is a gold mine and you will have it forever and it will feed you forever. So that's why it takes a long time. Sure, that sounds so promising and so reassuring because I think the uh, you know what you'd call level one is already in place. So I just um, happened okay. to read a lot of articles uh, related to um, you know working with your hands and team building, etc., mm-hmm. etc. And I think some of these uh, relationships are already in place, which is something I like. I find it strange yeah. to suddenly say, okay. And since you're agreeing on this, shall we do an origami session? That's not even on my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, So which is probably fine. And like you said, it probably takes much longer to see whether our paths cross professionally. So, yeah. yeah, Curiosity. I'm telling you, curiosity is what's going to be the trigger point here. So like if you're following them on Mm -hmm. social media Mm -hmm. and you are constantly engaging with them, they -hmm. will get curious. And you know I what? And then, and then send, them, send them some origami in the mail. Like, why have yeah. we not talked about that? So engage with them. They will figure it out, though. They'll figure out what you mm. do because they'll, they'll click on your oh, profile. Sure. But I'm thinking like at Christmas time or something, send them a nice, like, just origami something, like a nice gift. I should say holiday mm-hmm. time. I apologize. Um, yeah. Or, or something when, when something them. happens, when something happens in their business or at, at their school, like, uh, you know, let's say the school wins an award for something, you send them some sort of origami to congratulate them. Right. And you, and you start to just add value and kindness and, and you'll be on their radar. You'll for sure be on mm-hmm. their radar. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, Lots of to-dos lined up for the next couple of months. Thank you so much to both of you. <laughs> well, that's good. That's mm-hmm. how we love to end these shows. Rupika, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Will you let listeners know where they can find you if they're interested in learning more about what you do? Absolutely. So my um, my website's called handsonpaper.in. Uh, and on Instagram, my handle is at Rupika Suits. That's R-O-O-P-I-K-A-S-O-O-D. So and anybody who would like right? to get in touch, it'll be great. Sorry, Clay? Pretty soon you'll have a TikTok, right? <laughs> <laughs> very much, very much. Like I said, it's on my to-do list now. <laughs> and I would, I would make an Instagram that matches that hands-on paper so that it can all be one brand. But anyway, that's a conversation for yes. another day. Rupika, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been a long and very jam-packed full conversation today. So hopefully you found it valuable. And again, listeners, we'd love to have you join us as well. Just like Rupika came on the call today, we'd love to have you Join us. Just visit freelance2founder.com and scroll to the bottom of the page, fill out the questionnaire, and we'll see you soon as well. Clay and Rupika, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. See you. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify. Visit getdripify.com 
to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of The Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at FreelanceToFounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time, see ya.